Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith, the annoying voice of podcasting, and you're listening to the non-annoying Three Guys in a Flick. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Well, let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders, who said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from the Talladega Super Speedway, my name is Mike Honcho. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Chip, I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Hello, racing fans. How are you guys doing? Doing good. 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 Well, I just said, I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Um, So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Tonight, we are talking about Talladega Nights. Uh, It was professor's turn for the movie pick, and he picked Talladega Nights. So the question is, professor, why Talladega Nights? Uh, I was talking to my buddy, Matt, and he really digs this movie. And I hadn't seen the movie in a really long time and had been on the Lodar to watch the movie. And so I thought, hey, golden opportunity. I'm going to I'm gonna watch me some Talladega Nights. Does Matt listen to the podcast? I don't think he does. He's probably listened to one or two episodes. Oh. He'll well, listen to this one. Well, if he does listen to this one, hey, Matt, this one's for you, buddy. There you go. Released on August 4th, 2006, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby was directed by Adam McKay, written by Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, produced by Jimmy Miller and Judd Apatow. And it stars Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, Sasha Barra Cohen, Gary Cole, Amy Adams, Michael Clark Duncan, and a bunch of other actors. How'd this movie do, Don? This movie was made for $73 million, and it brought in $163 million. So, not too bad for Will Ferrell, Riley, and McKay. And for a comedy movie, most comedy movies don't generate a, a lot of income. Yeah, yeah. Well, this this is, I wouldn't say early in Ferrell's career, but it's not at his peak yet. Will Ferrell had already done old school Anchorman, and then he comes in... And does Talladega Nights, right? So he's not quite at the top. I think I think he's still rising because I think I, I like Will Ferrell. But, I mean, he's fairly uh, well-known. Do you guys remember seeing this for the first time? I probably saw it in, in in rental, not in the theater. Yeah. I don't remember the first time I saw this, but I'd like to think I saw it in the theater. Uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't. And I specifically remember after watching it for the first time, I was like, eh, it was okay. You know, but I feel that this movie is one of those movies that when you continue to watch it, just it's a Will Ferrell movie and the lines get stuck in your head. And I think that Will Ferrell is funny in general, but when you add someone who challenges him and his uh, funniness, like John C. Riley, I think it just ups both their games and those two together. Psh, 
I'd watch him act out of a box. For me, it's this. It goes along the same lines of Dodgeball. It's one of those movies that you can watch over and over again, and it's just as funny, especially if you give a little bit of time in between viewings. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a really fun watch as well, and I agree that this is uh, Will Ferrell on his way up, and he is probably uh, best remembered for Elf. That's probably his 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 high point. But uh, I, I think that Talladega Nights, and uh, it's hard to say if this is his second most popular because Anchorman's a really strong movie. Step, Step Brothers also is really popular with fans as well. It'd be hard to say which one of those three, of these three, would be probably, I, in my opinion, his second best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would put Step Brothers at number one mm. and then Elf. So I think I, for me, I'd actually put. Uh, it was hard for me between Elf and uh, Talladega Nights, but one of the, uh, I think I put Step Brothers at three for me. Yeah. 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 Do you know that producers, when they pitched this movie, only pitched it, it was six words? Yeah. yeah. Will Ferrell as a NASCAR driver? Yeah, and apparently that sold people. Well, what else would you need at that time, right? Well, he was such a big, big you know, personality on Saturday Night Live. Yes, he's absolutely. A known commodity. Yeah. And I got to say that I think nobody plays the man child better than Will Ferrell. That's you know what point. I mean? Cuz there there a lot of the a lot of his roles during this period are are very similar. Adam McKay, the director, they had uh Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. They they definitely had a really strong uh uh connection during this time, you know, Anchorman and then you had Talladega Nights, and then after Talladega Nights, uh, Step Brothers, and then the other guys, and then Anchorman too. But turns out that they had a falling out. Yeah, and uh, they uh, kind of sort of parted ways. There was a, a a production that they wanted to do, an HBO production called Showtime, and unfortunately, it seemed it was about the the nineteen eighties Lakers, and apparently they have parted ways because of this and they're probably not going to be working together anytime soon. It's been a while. Yeah. So Adam McKay as a director, he does, uh, you know, the Will Ferrell, the Will Ferrell vehicles, as you mentioned, but then he goes on to do the big short vice and don't look up all, you know, nominated Oscar nominated. And those are all serious, mm -hmm. right? So far away from what he does with Ferrell. Um, so he establishes himself as a, a solid director and they want to tell the Lakers story of the 80s. Have you watched that, by the way? Uh-uh. I got through, like, the first two episodes, and at the time, it was streaming every week, and I didn't want to wait for it, so I waited for the entire season to come out so I could just go through it, and I haven't gone back to it yet. But John C. Riley's in it, and I really do enjoy it. But I do remember, yeah, that's why Adam Farrell, that's why Will Farrell and Adam McKay don't, you know, talk anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about this casting. First of all, um, just Will Ferrell and John C. Riley putting those two together. What do you think about them, that pairing? Oh, I love them. Uh, I said I'd watch them act out of a box, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. What have they done? Three movies together now? or I think there's four. It's this, Step Brothers, Watson. Um, well, they've done movie... Uh, John C. Riley was in Anchorman 2, but it was a bit part. So, I mean, they've been in a bunch of movies I guess together. he was originally, they were going to have him play Brock in Anchorman, John C. Riley. Uh, who who ended up uh, playing Brock? 
I don't recall, but oh. there was talk that he was up for that role. When you think of comedy pairings, Laurel and Hardy, those kind of things, I don't know. I feel like our generation has gotten Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Oh, without a doubt. You could put them in anything, and you could almost guarantee it's going to be a smash hit. Well, uh, Watson and Holmes was not a smash hit, yeah. and... I think that you have to be a fan of both actors and that style of comedy. Because mm-hmm. uh, I know a lot of people that don't like Will Ferrell because of the man-child routine, right? Uh, I, I know people that think Step Brothers is just horrendous. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> well, it, for me, it comes down to whether you're a fan of improv. Um, this movie... The improv is hilarious. It's funny. But there are times where I feel like it really drags away from the story. It maybe gets to be a little bit much. I, I normally can't tell if it's improv. Mm-hmm. If, if it's funny and it makes me laugh, who cares? You know what I mean? Um, I guess when you go back and hear if something was improv or not, um, yeah, I, I guess it could change it for you. I just figured a lot of their banter and a lot of their stories, um, and I went back and confirmed it. All of that was just made up on the spot. And you, I felt like you could kind of tell in this movie. Oh, okay. Well, we saw some of those bits during the end credits, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Trying out different lines. It's like, yeah, okay, I can totally see that. And th- I'm sure that whole dinner scene when they're praying and they're just riffing, uh, I'm sure what we got in the theatrical cut was improv, first of all, but it was the one that made everybody laugh. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because at some point the editor's got to go, that's the scene we're taking. Um, apparently the hospital scenes too were all improvised as well as I guess if you get the blu-ray or dvd whatever you get the and get the audio commentary all of that is improvised by Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. yeah and and some of that is just pure gold is it so I oh yeah to it. oh it's it's fucking funny Will Ferrell and Riley aside what did you guys think of the rest of the cast okay what about Sasha Barracone as the, was he the bad guy or was he just the challenger? He's the antagonist. Is he? The antagonist doesn't always have to be evil. Yeah. Um, it's just the person who is trying to prevent the protagonist from achieving their goal. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely that. I thought he played his role pretty well. Oh, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he did a great job. I, I guess he was fine. NASCAR fans, when they were coming out for filming and they brought him out and introduced him as this French driver, the fans automatically booed him without any prompting. Of course they did. Because who, who wants a, a French driver in a, an American sport? Mm-hmm. Right? Come on. I thought Gary Cole did a great job in this as well as, as Ricky Bobby's dad. Yeah, I, I think this movie is cast very well. From the main characters to down to the pit crew, I thought it was cast brilliant. And the two kids. Yeah, oh my gosh. So funny. Walker and Texas Ranger. <laughs> yep. And the late great... Michael Clark Duncan, rest in peace, mm-hmm. right? Him as Lucius, I think, has some of the funniest lines, too. Uh, one of his funniest lines, though, is in the end credits. Uh, something that they didn't use where he sings Last Dance to Will Ferrell while oh, he's sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so funny. Yeah, so he, funny. he uh, didn't think they'd even put him singing in the movie. Uh, before we move on, we have a quick word from our sponsor. When you work on your mysterious lady part stuff, you should have the right tools, too. So that's why you should use Mapex, the official tampon on a NASCAR. All right. Thank you, Ricky Bobby. Can, Appreciate that. It's trivia time. Don, Ken, 
just to test how well you guys know this movie, I got some trivia questions together for you. So I believe our current score is tied between the two of you. So let's see how you do this week. First question. What is Lucy's response when Reese tells her they are driving at 105 miles per hour? I don't know. Do you drive any faster or hit the brakes or something? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, you drove right by the hospital. No, her response is, who cares? I'm having a baby. Oh, well. Second question. What class were Ricky and Cal thrown out of for f- playing with matchbox cars? Was it science class? Uh, it was biology. Biology. Don gets it. It's just semantics, right? Because isn't biology science? I was thinking it was close. I was going to give it to Ken until you got it exact. When Ricky is... I would like to give half my point to the professor. Okay. That is very nice of you. When Ricky is grown up, he's a member of a pit crew for a team. Who sponsors that team? Liquor Circus. No. Liqueur Clowns. No. Clowns Liqueur. No. I'm going to do a countdown. Three. I can't find it. Two. One. Laughing Clown Malt Liquor. Yes. Damn it. Which is funny because later on in the movie, that's what Reese is drinking. Yep. Every single time. What is Ricky forced by contract to mention every grace? Powerade. The blue kind. That is correct. For $2.2 million. Woo, woo. Love that money. What was Ricky Bobby supposed to say if he didn't want his arm broken? Crepes? Was it something about crepes? Pretty close. I love crepes. I'll give it to both of you for that one. He was pretty close on that. Yeah, well, that's what I said. Okay. And the final question for all the marbles. The Geico 500 is held at Talladega Speedway every year. How many laps around the track is the race? 500. No, it's it's miles. It's but, a 500 mile race. But you have to do the laps. Oh golly, let's go ahead and say uh 250. I'm going to say 300. Professor is closer. The speedway is actually 2.66 miles long which works out to be 188 laps. Well, there you go. So we're going to go with a tie this week. So apparently this movie has been so popular, especially with NASCAR fans and NASCAR drivers. There have been some real world instances that paid homage to this movie. Have you heard of these? Uh, no. I guess on the final lap of the 2009 Aaron's 499, uh, Carl Edwards crashed his car got out and ran across the finish line. When interviewed later by Larry King, he responded saying, well, I'm kind of a Will Ferrell fan. Yeah, I'm sure this movie, just like, you know, any other kind of sports popular movie in the real world has taken on some attributes. So, yeah, I guess that's also, awesome. I guess also in 2012, Kurt Busch had a unsponsored car, number 51. So he decided to paint M.E., on his paint scheme in honor of Ricky Bobby. Cool. And then I guess there's a whole bunch of other instances where over radio chatter between the drivers and the pit crews where they've used the term shake and bake every time they <laughs> use, you know, have another driver help them along the way. Absolutely. Shake and bake. That is a staple of Talladega Nights. In rural North Carolina, Ricky Bobby is born in the backseat of a speeding car when his father, Reese, accidentally misses the turnoff for the hospital. Bobby sees his father only once after that, at age 10 at school. 
During this encounter, Reese tells Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last. Advice which Bobby takes to heart. 15 years later, Bobby works on the pit crew of Dennett Racing driver Terry Chavu. When Chavu decides to take a bathroom break because he's in last place, Bobby replaces him and finishes third. Larry Dennett Sr. gives Bobby a permanent seat and he quickly rises to be one of NASCAR's most successful drivers. He meets his future wife Carly after she flashes her breasts to him. So this movie starts off with a big, basically uh, Reese driving his car, wife in the back seat giving birth. I love the sound effects when he hits the brake and the, ba- the baby pops out. But here's what I was thinking. The car's going the wrong way. Or she's laying the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. In order for this to happen. But you're right. The the sound effects, yeah. What do you think of the opening of this professor? It was it was amusing. It it's very, very fast. You know, it, it took maybe what, two minutes? Yeah. Yeah. This this movie is well paced. Sort of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so Ricky Bobby's born. We find out that as a child, all Ricky could say is, I want to go fast. I want to go fast. I want to go fast, right? So mom pulls up to the little market, whatever. And, of course, the baby takes the car. So I felt like this was a natural to progression of what we were eventually going to get to Will Ferrell's character, right? Because you see the previews. You know what it's about. You know, I appreciate that they give us this quick, quick backstory and catch us up right away. Yeah, even you know giving I mean? us a little bit of Cal and our friendship just real quick at school. Oh, you had you had to introduce Cal just to establish that uh ten year friendship, mm-hmm. right? And then having Reese come in, uh I love the line uh, the teacher says, uh you can't smoke in here, Mr. Bobby. And he goes, That's okay, I'm a volunteer firefighter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and this is where, you know, little Cal comes up with uh shake and bake, you know. Mm-hmm. And now we cut to them as adults on a pit crew. Well, before that, Reese, when he's getting thrown out of the school, says to Bobby for the first time, if you're not first, you're last. Do you know where that line comes from? Uh, Where? I guess it's something that uh, similar to what uh, Vince Vince Lombardi Mm -hmm. had said once. Do you know what that quote is, Professor? Uh, It's something very similar to that. It's something to the effect of, if you're not first, you're last. He His quote was, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. So that's kind of loosely where they got, uh, if you're not winning, you're losing. Mm-hmm. And when we cut to uh, them as adults working on a pit crew, uh, do you know who the driver is? I was trying to figure that out. Where, who was that driver? Who? Adam McKay. Oh, oh really? Yeah, that's the director. Um, so they're on a pit crew and it's Cal. And now we're introduced to Lucius, Glenn, just the whole gang of characters. And, uh, the race car driver pulls in, gets out cause he's got to take a piss. And everyone's like, what, what? And, uh, then they cut to him eating a sandwich. The thing that amazed me most about this film is how quick, how quickly a scenery can change. You know, how quickly a character can go from full racing gear to his underwear. Uh, how quickly a, a driver can get out of his car, take a piss, stand in line, get a burger, and then sit down and eat. You know, I always thought that was kind of humorous. But, you know, the point is, they don't have a driver. And Lucia says, who wants to go fast? And it's like, Ricky Bobby has been waiting to hear this his entire life, 
But it was this is the moment. Wasn't it Cal that pushed him to say? Well, yeah. Well, he uh, Cal nudges him because that's yeah. his that's his bro, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Ricky says, "I want to go fast," and he gets into the car. And this, uh, anytime Will Ferrell and John C. Riley can banter back and forth, um, even if it's for a few moments, I think it's fucking brilliant because. Cal is so excited. He keeps talking to Ricky, talking to Ricky. And while he's talking to Ricky, I, as the audience, I'm thinking, dude, you're wasting a lot of time. But then Will Ferrell says, yeah, that's awesome. I feel like we're wasting a lot of time, mm-hmm. you know? And so he sends him on his way. And thus, Ricky Bobby is born. I, I thought that the interview he gave right after the race was very funny. Oh, my God. I feel so like awesome. it was our first podcast. You can put your hands down, Ricky Bobby. Just okay, put it down by your side. I just thought it was a really good race, and that I, I and listeners, know. if you cannot see, I'm raising my hands. <laughs> oh, Will Ferrell, man! Mm-hmm. You know, if that shit's improvised, fucking, he's a genius. You know what I mean? I thought it was fucking hilarious. And so now we are uh, jump to a montage of of winning, of winning. You know, and then we have Cal. He gets the old Spice racing car. And so now they're racing together. I read that each of the car sponsors on the cars for this cast was supposed to represent something about the personality of the character. So obviously, Sasha Baron Cohen's he had Pierre, oh, is a Pierre Sparking Water. What's it called? Perrier. Perrier Sparking Water because he's French. Uh, but why Wonder Bread, do you think, for uh, Ricky Bobby? Because it's the all-American brand. It's what Red, white, and blue. Oh, okay. But, I mean, that's that's how I saw it. Mm-hmm. You know. And so while he is winning, uh, you know, uh, Carly, his future wife, is in the crowd, and she flashes him. And it, Will Ferrell's lying, right? Please be over 18. <laughs> I love how they just quickly flash to they're married. Yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. quick montage. Yeah. Now they're married. And this is the kickstart my heart, right? So you got Motley Crue playing in the background and everything's coming together. Then the, that that little autograph bit when Susan steps and <laughs> he scribbles on her forehead. Su- Susan, you got to get out of the way when I'm in autograph mode. And her response is, I'm sorry for standing. <laughs> it's so good. And so we keep, um, you know, Fast forwarding to his success and 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 where we're Some at, kind of in present day a little bit. Commercial endorsements. Yep. And then we get the the whole dinner scene. Now, th- do you think this was like what ten years have now passed or seven years? Because these kids have gotten pretty old. At least the oldest one. Well, it's got to be at least ten years. Yeah. He's ten years old and he'll beat your ass. All those cars out in front of that McMansion. Yep. And then the dinner, the dinner process, right? Yeah. Uh, you had Domino's. KFC and Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Did that make you hungry? Oh, yeah. It does every time I watch this yeah. this this bit. I kept telling Julie, this is how you serve dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to see napkins and laps, boys. And so uh we get introduced to Chip, the father in law. Uh the two kids, as you were saying. I love when they ask the kids what were you out doing or do how was school today and what their response was. I threw a bunch of grandpa chips old war medals over a bridge. Did you see Chip's reaction to that? Yes. <laughs> Just the, the sadness in his face. And the, that, that goofy little conversation about uh, Carly's breasts at the dinner table as well. How amazing they are. Yeah. yeah. And how Callie was so excited about them. And she, I, she was so flattered. Uh, thank you. That's the nice thing you've said to me. 
So one of the things that we're introduced to, and I'm not exactly sure, like it, it kind of where it fits in, but we're introduced to uh, Dennett Senior, who is the uh, owner of the team, who kind of treats real Fer- Will Ferrell as a son. I mean, he treats him very kindly, but you can kind of see his his own son a little envious of that. Well, uh, Dennett says it in a press conference. <laughs> Ricky Bobby's the son I never had, and his his real son standing right there. So yeah, uh, he must die or do he must pass away or something because Dennett Junior is now running the team, mm-hmm. right? And so we're at race day, and now we learn that Ricky Bobby goes down every race and leaves two tickets for his daddy, which I think is adorable. And then uh, the race is going on, and uh, we're introduced to the slingshot move. Um, where Cal Naughton Jr. helps uh, helps Bobby get around the person and wins, and that's going to become a, a plot point, if you will, uh, coming up here. But what stands out in this scene is there's a car pileup, and Ricky Bobby lands up in reverse. So he wins the race in reverse, thus elevating his ego, you know, and... Um, what'd you guys think of that when he, when he finished the race in reverse? Oh, I love, didn't he flip off the driver that was kind of a dick to him? <laughs> Jamie, losing's never fun, but here I got you something. Flips him off. It's real nice. I got it at Target. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, he wins the race, but Dennett's, uh, junior was all kinds of pissed off at him. Cost him a hundred points. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the, with all due respect, I didn't know that you, shaved your balls and gave them away or whatever he says and then it's like you can't say that to me and ricky bobby's like yes i can i said with all due respect (laughs) and so before moving on uh we have uh, another word from our sponsor hey i'm ricky bobby christmas is right around the corner and what better gift to give a loved one than the jackhawk 9000 available at walmart Bobby persuades Dennett to field a second team for his best friend, Cal Naughton Jr., and they become an unstoppable duo using the shake-and-bake slingshot technique on the track. Bobby's newfound arrogance, however, aggravates Dennett's alienated son, who retaliates by adding talented, openly gay French Formula One driver Jean Girard to the team. Girard not only taunts Bobby, but he outperforms him and becomes the team's top driver. Desperate to beat Gerard, Bobby exceeds his limitations and crashes at Lowe's Motor Speedway and is hospitalized. Fearful of wrecking again, Bobby's performance drastically declines. Dennett subsequently fires him and Carly leaves him for Cal, who still considered Bobby his best friend. But Bobby insists their friendship is over. So the guys are drinking at a bar, having a good time, and we are introduced to Jean Gerard. <laughs> what do you think of the introduction? He was it was fun. It was fun. Uh, they they play the French music on the jukebox, and everyone's <laughs> like, that? "Yeah, everyone's like, oh, it's hurting my ears! It's hurting my ears!" So funny. Didn't they say something like they? The only reason it was on the jukebox was a test. Oh, it was uh, to fit profiles or something. Oh. It was like a profile or something because uh, everyone's complaining about it, and John Gerard's like, "Well, then why is it on the jukebox if you don't play it?" <laughs> so logical, right? And then so uh, Gerard. Makes his presence known to the team. This whole this whole thing is hilarious to me. They get into the whole, you know, uh, we're from America. And then, you know, John Gerard's like, I'm uh, from France. And uh, Bobby and them are like, what did uh, the French ever give us? You know, and but I like when it's reversed 
And uh, Gerard says, what did America give us? And they're like, Chinese food. He's all, China. Uh, and one of them he says was George Bush. And you know why they mentioned George Bush? Why? Because that's who Will Ferrell played a lot on Sinai Live. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, so, yeah, just the whole banter back and forth was hilarious to me. I don't understand why everybody just stood there and let Bobby be pinned by Jean at the pool table. Why didn't somebody just come up and, and just, like, you know, throw him off of him? I thought it was kind of had to do with uh, Ricky Bobby's ego and his manhood. You can't come up and steal his manhood by helping him out of that situation. Maybe, maybe. Or I thought I took it as as soon as someone rushed him or he felt someone, he would just break it anyway. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he had him in a very uh, precarious well, moment. Well, that and he was so quick, nobody else wanted to get their ass kicked. <laughs> I love when Will Ferrell goes at him and he dodges it and John Gerard says, oh, you're very fast, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> but not fast enough. And then the whole uh, say I love crepes. I like the, the conversation of oh, those little flat pancakes. I like those. Oh, I had a mess of pancakes this morning with a bunch of syrup on them. I sure do love me some pancakes. And then everyone's like, oh, that's a good compromise, Ricky Bobby. You should say it. You're just going to have to go ahead and break it. Yeah. but <laughs> And then he says, uh, well, shit, while I'm down here, someone give me my beer. So he's drinking his beer down there. So Gerard breaks his uh, arm. And I like what he says. He says, your injury is one of ignorance and arrogance or something like that. And uh, then ta- uh, and then Cal says, you broke my bro's arm. Now you got to get tased. And then Dennett comes in, fires a gun, lets everybody know that Jean Girard is part of the team. And they're like, what the fuck? But nope, Jean Girard is here and he's here to stay. And then we get a montage of Jean Girard winning. Uh, what's the song? I know it's in French. It's uh, some, something they redid in French. What was it? I don't know. Uh, Paint It Black, Rolling Stones. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It's in French because, well, Jean Girard's French. We also get a little, don't we get a little background on Jean Girard? He's married to yeah. Andy Richter, who raises dogs and trains them. And I thought yeah. that was just kind of a great little side story. Oh, it was hilarious. It was absolutely, uh, Gregory. His husband, Gregory. Uh, uh, Sasha's uh, facial expressions in this had me rolling sometimes. And the way he would pronounce things and just such a funny guy. Such a funny guy. Um, So one, (laughs) so uh, John Gerard's making an impact and and he's doing well and they're getting ready for the next race. But Ricky Bobby has a cast on and he's not supposed to drive. Uh, But when they go to the track, uh, John Gerard's pulling in and they say, and John Gerard's sitting on top of the pole, which is based, which is a comment <laughs> yeah. based on fact, not on the driver's sexual orientation. <laughs> Every time makes me laugh. So now we have another kind of square off between uh, Ricky Bobby and John Gerard, you know, and um, John Gerard's just taunting him. You know what I mean? And then Cal gets in the mix. And then they start the whole shake and bake thing and how frustrated John Gerard gets about that. What does that even mean? Shake and bake. Where do you have epilepsy? So funny. What'd you guys think of this whole bit? I don't know. I thought it was good. I, um, I, I, I dug the crashes in this movie. The, the car crashes that they have are spectacular. I also like the comment. The wonder bread car is toast. <laughs> What'd you think of the scene where Ricky Bobby's trying to cut his cast off? Oh, <laughs> using a saw and just yeah. wincing every time he cuts. Yeah, that was pretty funny. And so now it's race day. You know, Jean Girard's in first, and they start racing, and 
uh, Ricky Bobby's driving, you know, ridiculously. And I like what Lucia says to him. He says, Ricky, you know, you're driving like a pissed off teenager, right? Uh, because Ricky's ego is uh, it's just uh, completely threatened here, right? This is everything to Ricky. And so he finally catches up to Jean Girard, who is at this point uh, a superior driver. And, uh, you know, Lucius is saying, back off, back off. And Ricky's like, I'm not going to back off. I'm Ricky fucking Bobby, right? And so ultimately what happens is you were talking about, Professor, these crashes, right? So uh, Ricky Bobby, I don't know how he ends up in the air. It doesn't logically make any sense to me after watching it, but whatever, you're in for the ride. And I like how Will Ferrell's in the car and he's like, yep, I'm in the air. This ain't no good. And he had sold his uh, windshield to Fig Newton. <laughs> yeah, I like how it's completely covered. Yeah, <laughs> this this sticker is dangerous and inconvenient, but I do love me some Fig Newtons. <laughs> and so he ends up crashing. And the, these bits are probably some of my favorite when he is when Ricky's on fire and running around and yelling. And it's not so much Will Ferrell's part in it that I love so much. I think it's the supporting cast around him. The two guys, the, the techs or the EMTs, if you will, you're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> so funny. When I think of this movie, I think it's this scene that I always picture in my mind of Ricky Bobby running around just in his underwear and the helmet yelling, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. And this movie does such a good job of calling out what the audience thinks because the commentator goes, how did he even get down to his underwear so fast? Yeah. You know what I mean? And what does Cal say? Please don't let the invisible fire burn my friend. And then uh, the commentators, that's a true teammate. <laughs> so uh, Ricky Bobby gets taken away and the commentators say there are good days in NASCAR and there are bad days in NASCAR. Ricky Bobby just had himself a bad day. So he is now in the hospital and he's not waking up <laughs> and Carly immediately pull the plug. Ma'am, uh, he's just taking a nap. <laughs> and uh, this is where we get Cal's confession. His playgirl confession. Remember that summer you went away to community college? <laughs> I did a full spread, nude and everything. Yeah, it was a kind of real full spread because I pulled my butt cheeks apart. But you probably didn't hear about it because I went under the name of Mike Honcho. So I just want you to know. <laughs> I'm from... What I've heard, a lot of these scenes were ad-libbed, and I think my favorite one is when John C. Riley f- decides to finally end it and put the pillow over his face. That's when he struggles. He goes, wow, you're, a, you're really fighting me for a guy in a coma. So, yeah, he's at the hospital, and now he's got to go through physical therapy. I love him playing with the people in the wheelchair, playing basketball and getting up and grabbing things. And, um, and Cal and Lucius come see him. And they're like, give it to a straight doc. Is he ever going to walk again? And the doc's so surprised. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought somebody told you. He's fine. He can walk now. <laughs> he found that wheelchair in the hallway. <laughs> uh, so good. It's psychosomatic. And I think this, lead, this leads to one of my favorite lines in this movie is when Cal's asking him, you know, when you say psychosomatic, you mean that he can start like fires with his brain or something? And Lucius looks at him like, what the fuck? And uh, Cal's response, I mean, it's sound, you know. People get bumps on the head and have special powers all the time. Read a comic book. <laughs> what do you think of the whole knife scene? Oh, my God. Don't you do it. <laughs> We're going to give him some tough love. So they want to give him some tough love, 
right? They got to tell Ricky Bobby, you're this is all in your head, bud. And Ricky Bobby's like, nope. And, you know, as soon as you saw the steak knife, you knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if there are bits in this movie that go on for a little bit too long, I think it's the knife in the leg. It it did go on a little bit long, but I did think it was funny when you catch some of the little side banter, which is they're trying to use another knife to get the first knife out of the leg. Well, now I got two knives in my leg. Turns out that Ricky can walk. He's just fine. And so, uh, but this is also where, you know, Cal and Lucius come. I mean, they give Ricky the truth. I mean, they're like, Gerard can drive, man. I mean, he's, he's fucking good, you know? And then, um, Ricky's world just kind of starts to fall apart. Cal also at this point asks, he wants to start winning some and Ricky says no. And this isn't the first time that he's asked. And so it, it comes up a couple times that Cal wants to be able to win. Well, if you win, then how am I going to win? <laughs> and Cal is just so, you, you, you know, you're right. I'll just bury it deep down inside. <laughs> so good. I did like when Ricky gets back out to the track for the first time and he's going really, really, really fast. And they're like, was he going like 20? 26 miles an hour. <laughs> and then Carly's reaction, and right? The- She's like, oh, shit. And uh, he gets back down to his underwear again, running around. Once Carly figures out that Ricky's not going to be racing anytime soon and that he's pretty much off the team, uh, I love how she immediately like rearranges his whole life and marries Cal. That was Dennett's idea. Dennett uh, could see what's going on, and he knows how Carly is, and uh, that's why he plants that in her head. He goes, yeah, Ricky's, Ricky's done, right? But you know who's not? You know who's next in line? And she says, Cal. And then he walks over to Cal, and I love what uh, Cal says. I got to go take care of Cuckoo Bird over there. <laughs> he says, no, you don't don't worry about Cuckoo. You need to go take care of Carly. So that's how that all uh, comes together. And so Ricky Bobby down to his underwear again, running around. They finally get control of him, and then he goes home. To find that he's been completely supplanted by Cal. The, he walks in and they're playing Jenga and um, he's like, what the fuck's going on? And the kids are even being nice to Cal, right? Well, I love the the picture on the wall when they point up to the picture. You, you just taped his face over mine. <laughs> what, I'm getting, we're getting a divorce? And then the kids immediately yell, yay, two Christmases. Yeah. Uh, the the funny thing about this was, and, and maybe, you know, it's just part of the storyline was, then Ricky has to turn around and go live with his mom. But Ricky has all those sponsors and everything. He's worth probably $200 million, something like that. Did she just get all of it? Well, that's what he tells his mom when they open the door. Yeah, she took everything? Yeah, she, he says Carly and Cal took everything. Yeah, it's just crazy to think of that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is kind of ridiculous, but I think it's funny that they try and pull it off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh and he just goes with it, right? And why does he get the kids? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I don't mean that as a bad thing. Yeah, really, I, I, no, but... I, I understand. <laughs> Trust me, I understand. <laughs> and the fact that Cal still wants to be friends with him. You know, you just lost your wife mm-hmm. and you just lost your job. Don't throw out your best friend because of your anger. And uh, be look out for the uh, invitation to the wedding. And I want you there. <laughs> Carly's like, he's, he's not coming to the wedding, is he? Uh, and then uh, Chip's response. 
something about the field mice is fast, but the night, but the owl always sees, and then he gives yeah, that creepy laugh. Night. Yeah, so good. And now it's time for a word from our sponsor. I'm Ricky Bobby. If you don't chew big red, then f- you. Bobby and his two unruly sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, move in with Bobby's mom, Lucy, who is determined to reform the boys. Bobby takes a job as a pizza delivery man, but when he loses his driver's license, he is reduced to delivering pizzas by bus or by bicycle. When his life hits rock bottom, Bobby's estranged father, Reese, returns and, using unorthodox methods such as putting a live cougar in his car, tries to help Bobby regain his confidence. But after causing trouble at an Applebee's restaurant, Reese abandons the family again. Before he does, he refutes his quote, If you ain't first, you're last. That has steered Bobby's life. Reese confesses that he was high when he said it, and that it doesn't make any sense. Bobby's former assistant, Susan, persuades him to return to NASCAR. They quickly develop a romantic relationship when Bobby takes Susan's advice and races at Talladega's Super Speedway. Bobby makes amends with Carly... Gerard, and Cal while reuniting with his pit crew. With no sponsors, Bobby's car is painted with a cougar to inspire him. So we kind of said it earlier, but again, Walker and Texas Ranger, I think, are just standouts in this movie. Besides having the relationship of Ricky, Bobby, and Cal, I love the lines from the kids. It's almost like a second story. Oh, they they were fantastic. And, um, you know, so... uh, Ricky Bobby, they got to move in with mom, and so he wants to deliver pizzas. Uh, the bit where he gets into the truck and everyone's making fun of him, uh, he backs into the car, and then he hits the cop. <laughs> and so uh, now he's got to deliver pizza by bicycle because he gets his license well, taken away. Well, they start the bus first. Not in my version. Oh, okay. Um, so what happens? Well, they just show him on the bus holding the, the pizza. Holding a bunch of pizzas in his lap. Yeah. And so, and then they go to the bike and he's delivering to a motel. And this is where we meet Reese. And uh, it's a quick, quick interaction. Ricky Bobby hits him. Doesn't really believe him, but kind of knows, right? And then I like Reese's uh, response. This went well, didn't it? (laughs) I felt like this went well. And so he gets home and he asks his mom, where are the boys? And she says, I dropped him off at Sunday school. This is one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, all of a sudden you hear him yelling anarchy, uh, the word, running by the uh, glass window or uh, the sliding glass door. And Ricky's just like, oh, there they are. Well, I love that one of them, the youngest one that was at the Texas Ranger, picks up a hose and just goes over the neighbor's house and starts squirting into the neighbor's house with the hose. Yeah, yeah. And then... uh, you know, this is where Granny Law is declared, and I thought it was so funny because uh, the oldest one, I forget which one he is, uh, says, you're shit out of luck, Granny. <laughs> 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 and so she smacks the shit out of him, and, you know, this starts a subplot of Granny reforming the kids, which I thought was sweet. Of all the scenes with Granny and the kids, my favorite has to be on the side of the road when they're picking up the trash. How long are you going to have us do this? Well, I don't know. How long are you going to stop? When are you going to stop throwing me the radio while I'm in the bathtub? Well, it, was, it was just so quick and so kind of quiet. That if you didn't catch it the first time, you're like, what did she just say? Yeah, so good. Yeah. During this time, we also have Reese trying to help Bobby with his fear. 
Yeah. And uh, Reese comes to the house and says, I know why you're scared, son. Right. And Bobby finally accepts his help. And I liked, I even like the interaction between Reese and the grandkids. You know, you show me some DNA test and maybe I'll say hello to those grandkids. And then they all yell at the neighbor together. And then he's all, well, maybe they are my grandkids. <laughs> um, so you're right. Reese starts helping Bobby with his uh, confidence regaining it. Uh, the first one is with the uh, cougar. Would you have gotten in the car? Fuck no. Are you insane? That was hilarious. But that's what, and yeah, for sure. And then um, I like the second time when Ricky Bobby's sitting on the deck, just taking a nap or whatever. And Bobby or, and Reese comes and throws the first bucket of water. How did Starcar get its start? Doesn't answer. Hits him again. How does Starcar? And then Bobby answers it, right? Ricky Bobby answers it. And then uh, Reese is kind of surprised. He's like, huh, you're right. And he throws another bucket of water on him anyway. And Real Farrell's like, well, what the fuck? And he goes, I filled up three. <laughs> what do you think of taping the, uh, the Colombian Bam Bam underneath the car? I think this is one of my favorite scenes. Uh, because just the way Gary Cole plays it and what he has to do to get his son back on the road, um, this and the driving blindfolded. I thought the driving blindfolded was hilarious too because Will Ferrell sells it. He's like, man, I really, after he crashes into the house, man, uh-huh. I, I really thought I felt it. He goes, well, you better get us out of here. And he starts to put the blindfold back on. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's funny. It's good stuff. We also have Cal... He, uh, he calls Ricky. He wants him to cross over the anger bridge and come to the friendship shores. Is this where he thinks his house or the house is haunted? That's the next phone call. Oh. The interaction between Cal and Ricky. I love that Cal's just not getting it until the very end when he does his little talk in the car. But he just not, doesn't understand why Ricky's so mad. Yeah. You know you yeah. want to hang out in your house. What does he say? He goes, oh, how do you turn down the, how do you listen to the stereo on the TV at the same time? And Ricky Bobby's like, why would you want to do that? He goes, because I like to party. <laughs> it's a new house. It has creaks and cuts. So everything's going good. Ricky's got his confidence back. He's driving around. He's got his license back. He's got the cougar in the car with him. Down, Karen. Down. And then, uh, you know, they want to celebrate. The boys are being better. And the bit where uh, the kids go, hey, Grandpa, do you want to take us fishing? And the Grandpa's like, uh, no, I got a better idea. Why don't you dig a hole? And I'll get another beer. And then the kids are like, no one loved you enough when you were a kid. And he's like, well, good call. And he hands him the can. And he says, that's worth the nickel. And the little kid's delivery of tragic just has me rolling. I just thought that was so funny. Mm-hmm. So at Applebee's, Reese is seeing that everything's kind of, you know, smoothing out. The, the other party think that we're getting the family back together. And Reese can't handle it. Well, it's when... Uh the, the mom, Lucy, basically says, we should make this a weekly thing. Right. And then and this table, and he sees that his life is going to become routine. Right. And, you know, he doesn't want that. So he makes a scene, gets thrown out of Applebee's, and uh, this is where the realization happens that uh, if you ain't first, you're last, uh, was nonsense. It was just full of shit. Right. Because... <laughs> I was high when I said that. That doesn't make any sense. You can be second. You can be third. <laughs> and Ricky Bobby's world is just blown at that moment, right? So he goes to the bar, and he's playing uh, a racing game, and John Gerard's on it. And I love when he says, uh, how did you even get on a video game that fast? 
you know, and and John Gerard, if you listen closely, is mocking him. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, if you're on fire or something like that. Did you catch the name of the bar? Uh, no. What was it? The unfriendly possum bar. <laughs> oh, I completely missed that. What the heck? The unfriendly yeah. possum. I guess. So, uh, Ricky Bobby's in there feeling sorry for himself, and in walks Susan. And, you know, she gives him a pep talk. Uh, the pep talk she gives actually was pretty good. It almost spells out exactly who Ricky Bobby is, what he's about, and really kind of starts to fire him up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and she was his assistant for, we're assuming, a long time, so you would think that she knows him, mm-hmm. right? And But she never got to appreciate him because, you know, he was his ego was in the way. And now that he's been humbled, he's got to get back to his natural talent of being great without mm-hmm. the ego. And and she is a good representation for us, the audience, to do that for him. Well, it's also kind of revealed, you know, the, the typical movie trope of she always harbored a crush on him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are we about to get it on? Because uh-huh. I'm as hard as a diamond in an ice store right now. <laughs> yeah. And Are you, are you going to? climb across the table and she just basically does whatever he starts saying so i wonder how much of that was improvised because he just would say something like that and she start crawling across the table and you know are you are you gonna make an animal noise and this is awesome yeah and then uh with the animal noises she's she participates she's having fun with it she's doing cat noises and she's shaking her head around like tawny katane and they even call that out and yeah that was a good bit was a good Do you remember the White Snake video? Of course I remember the oh, yeah. White Snake video. Who doesn't? Well, we're that old. Uh, you're that old, buddy. You're that old. And so now uh, he's got his confidence back. He's getting the, the band back together. He makes a call to Lucius. They're at a car wash. And then Ricky Bobby goes to talk to Jean. What did you guys think of this scene? I did think it was an interesting uh, cast of cameos that they kind of had at his house. Oh, Elvis Costello. Yeah. And most deaf. I like when Ricky Bobby asks, is that Alice Costello most deaf? And John Gerard's is like, no. <laughs> I thought it was fucking hilarious. Uh, Ricky Bobby comes in to tell Gerard that he's gunning for him, right? But, you know, uh, Gerard kind of draws it out a little bit. But I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. And this is one of those moments when... Uh, Gerard tells him, you know, I need you to beat me so Gregory and I can live happily ever after. But again, it's his facial expressions that just make me laugh. And uh, they're holding hands, and Gerard says, uh, don't take my erection as the wrong way or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I love how they bring up, too, uh, one of my other favorite movies out there. Oh, Highlander? They bring up Highlander. And then later on, what does he say? He's, uh, well, Will Ferrell's like, this is like Highlander. And John Gerard doesn't know what that is. And is it a good movie? Uh, it won the Academy Award. For what? Best movie ever? <laughs> so good. I totally and, thought of John as well. Yeah. And then when they're racing, uh, John Gerard says, I saw Highlander. It sucked. So uh, it's race day. And Bobby has no sponsors. But, you know, they paint the car. Well, I love the crew had been up all night uh, basically fixing up the car, building the engine, and then painting the car. But did you like how they did the story of one of the guys died? Glenn. Uh, Glenn's fake death. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you can see him peeking out from the corner. But I can see you. Um, 
No, I mean, it, I mean, it was fine for the moment. I didn't think we needed it, but mm-hmm. but the guy who plays Glenn, the guy from uh, Thirty Rock, he he makes me laugh. Well, what I love the fact that he's in the movie is if you ever seen the movie Wreck It Ralph, he's uh, was a Fix It Felix, uh-huh. and John C. Riley is Wreck It Ralph, so you kind of get that whole Wreck It Ralph motif in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, this came out first, but yeah. yeah. This is why they were in Wreck-It Ralph together, probably. Um, but I felt like the reason... I know you said they, this scene didn't feel necessary. I felt like they were making fun of a lot of movies that do that. That, you know, they've got to win it for so-and-so who died. You know, like in Dodgeball, you know, they had to win it for their coach, you know, that died. Uh, maybe. Well, they do say that they're just trying to motivate him. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a weird way of trying to motivate someone. Mm-hmm. So, And then we get Cal talking about his wedding. What? You're already married? Right. Yeah, and because uh, Bobby goes to uh, apologize, you know, and I like how that goes down. And uh, Ricky Bobby just basically says, you know, I never let you win. I wasn't a very good friend. You've always been good to me. I'm sorry. And Cal's response, I don't know what your tactic is. You're getting in my head. I'm going to just keep acting tough until I figure it out. (laughs) I like how he talks about the nacho fountain. fountain. Four kinds of cheeses. All four kinds, they're just strong, uh, streaming in together? Yeah. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> what did you think of Will Ferrell's sponsor? Me? Yeah, me, with the cougar. Oh, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. It was to be expected. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, felt, it fell right in line with how this entire film was going. Sure. So, yeah, absolutely. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey, I'm Ricky Bobby. And I'm Cal Naughton Jr. Urging you never to travel to Tijuana. During the race, Bobby climbs from the last place to the second place behind Gerard, and Cal uses their slingshot technique to help Bobby pass Gerard. In the final laps, however, on Dennett's orders, the driver of Bobby's former car causes a massive wreck that takes out everybody but Bobby and Gerard. On the last lap, Bobby and Gerard collide, wrecking their cars. They hastily exit their cars and run toward the finish line. Bobby dives across the line first, but both drivers are disqualified for exiting their cars. As Cal takes the checkered flag, Gerard offers Bobby a handshake, but Bobby responds by kissing him on the lips. Carly asks Bobby to move back in and start over, but he chooses to stay with Susan instead. In the track parking lot, Reese congratulates Bobby, who declares that it was no longer about winning since he and his family, who love him no matter what, no matter where he finishes. Bobby, his family, and Susan leave to go to Applebee's. Roll credits. In a post-credit scene, Lucy is shown reading a story to Walker and Texas Ranger, both having fully been rehabilitated by her and are now polite, respectful children. So the race is on, and Gerard's obviously in the front, and Bobby's in the back. I do like, I kind of mentioned it earlier, that during this scene, uh, Cal's on the radio with his pit boss, and he's trying to figure out, when he said this, what did he mean by that? Is he trying to get in my head? And, yeah, and the, and the uh, crew chief's like, uh, yeah, man, that's weird. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So Cal's in his head for pretty much the entire race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also have a cool camera shot where we come in behind Ricky Bobby's car, and then we go into the cockpit of the car, and then we go out the front windshield it was a cool little shot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of great shots. I'm not a NASCAR fan, but it, I didn't hate it. You know what I mean? It. Uh, I thought it looked really good. 
And so they're driving and they're driving and, uh, you know, Ricky Bobby just can't pass Gerard. He just can't do it, but he's trying, you know, and he's being more level-headed about it and he's being more Ricky Bobby about it as opposed to all ego. And, uh, Cal figures out that, you know, that's his best friend. And especially when he's ordered to take him out. That's right. And, uh, Cal's like, I'm not taking out Ricky Bobby, but you know what I will do. And then, you know, slingshot engaged and Cal helps uh, Ricky get around Gerard. Uh, and then Dennett's fucking furious. And he's like, he calls one of his other drivers. He's all, you take out Cal Naughton jr. And, uh, you know, being the obedient servant that that driver was, he does and causes a huge accident. Um, leaving only Ricky and Gerard that escape naturally. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, you know, uh, cleanup of said wreck it was fucking miraculous. It was like a blink of an eye because uh, two seconds later, they're off and racing again. Which is part of the trope of this movie as well, that things happen unusually fast. Yes, absolutely. And and you just go with it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. In the meantime, we also have Reese show up at the ticket booth. He finally takes the two tickets. That I loved that scene because it looked so tender in the beginning. And then what does he turn around and say? Oh, he did exactly what I thought he was going to do as soon as he walked up. Sure. And I love what the guy says. Mister, these tickets have been waiting for you for a real long time. You know, I think that's the tender moment. But I knew it as soon as he turned around. 60 bucks a pop. <laughs> He's just selling them. And I'm thinking, they're in the last lap of the fucking race. Who's going to buy them now? But I don't know. So on the final lap, they, uh, th- the two cars collide. They crash. They tumble. And then both drivers get out of the car look at each other and start running and this was a bit where the as they're crashing uh they go to commercial right mm-hmm. right right <laughs> and then they come back and they're still crashing which as you totally expected it yeah to I, th- I thought that was cute and so they uh so ricky bobby and john gerard get out of their cars and they start racing on foot and then we get the pat benatar song to go along with it and you know dramatically uh ricky bobby wins Everybody's going crazy, and the announcers immediately are quick to say, oh, that was fantastic. Obviously, none of it counts because they were both disqualified, but that was fantastic nonetheless. So I thought that was pretty good. Now, the kiss that Ricky Bobby has with Jean Girard, uh, do you know they won an award for that? Uh, wasn't it like the MTV Award for Best Kiss at the time? Best Kiss of the Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was pretty funny. It's pretty funny. It's just Ricky showing Gerard that he's secure with who he is now. Well, I think, didn't he say earlier on in the bar scene that if you were to kiss me on the lips right now, I will leave and never come back? No, he says that at the track. Oh, is that what he says? Yeah. At the same time, we also have Cal holding the trophy. And uh, Ricky's response, you know, is so awesome. You know, I'm proud of you. You're the man. So Cal gets to win one. Yeah. And I love how Cal turns and says, you know, shake and bake his back. And Ricky Bobby's like, no. No, we're not. You're the magic man, and I'm El Diablo. <laughs> Cal, what's Diablo, Ricky? Uh, I think it's Spanish for fighting chicken. <laughs> That's awesome. You just think about that? That's <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Carly tries to woo Ricky back, but Ricky says no. Did your version have that Carly lifts up her shirt again to show him? Yeah, in our version, she lifts up her shirt and says, are you going to walk away from this? And then Susan, she does it right back to Carly. Yeah, she lifts up her top. But I thought it was even before that is as Carly lifts up her shirt, 
the pit crew all come around with little camera phones and start taking pictures real quick. And then when Amy Adams, when Susan lifts hers up, Carly's like, those are, those are really good. Are those natural? Are those, those real? And everyone's taking pictures again. And And so uh, at this point, Ricky and the family leave and Reese is waiting for him outside. And, you know, Reese is like, "Uh, who'd you win that race for? Ricky says, I didn't win it for you. That's for sure. And Reese was all happy about that. It, it's starting to feel like a, a perfect family again, and Reese starts to get itchy, and the suggestion is, hey, let's go get thrown out of an Applebee's. Yeah, what do you say we go get thrown out of Applebee's? Yeah. yeah. And and I love how Susan's confused about it. She's always, you're in for a, a hoot or whatever. Yeah. And that's Talladega Nights. Again, with your version, did yours then immediately go into uh, them, uh, Will Farrell and uh, John C. Riley just, Improving different uh, promotional things. Yeah, that, yeah, that that was the end credits. Okay, so that that wouldn't have changed. Yeah, that I thought that was some funny stuff. There was, but I think what they used in the movie was funnier, and mm. is, which is why they used it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do you know what other movie had a great race to the finish line? Oh shit! And now it's time for John's. Moment. This is the point in our podcast where I take whatever movie we are currently reviewing and compare it to the greatest movie series ever made, Lord of the Rings. Now, as I just mentioned, Talladega Nights and Lord of the Rings both feature a great race to the finish line. While Talladega Nights follows the story of a NASCAR driver, the Lord of the Ring depicts a quest to destroy the One Ring and save Middle-earth from the clutches of the Dark Lord Sauron. Whether it's a high-speed race around a track or a perilous journey across treacherous terrain, the stakes are equally high in both movies. So for Frodo, I picked Ricky Bobby. It's his journey we are focused on throughout this flick. Sam, he's Cal Nonington Jr., Cal is Ricky's main support for the majority of the first half of the movie. But later, it's really Susan, Ricky's assistant, who becomes Bobby Sam for the last quarter of the movie. Mary, Mary and Pippin? Well, that's got to be Walker and Texas Ranger. Their antics are constantly getting them in trouble. To them, their Gandalf is Grandmother Lucy. Just as Gandalf was constantly correcting the bad behavior of Mary and Pippin, so was Lucy for her grandchildren. But for Ricky Bobby, Gandalf was someone different. For Ricky, it was his father, Reese Bobby. Just like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings would show up when needed, just as Reese did, Gandalf would also leave when they seemed to need him the most, again, just as Reese did. Uh, when he abandoned Ricky Bobby after his times of need. While Lucius Washington, crew chief, also had a bit of Gandalf quality to him, always advising Ricky and trying to keep him on the right path, I thought his quick nature to anger reminded me more of a Gimli-type character. The pit crew, Herschel, Kyle, and Glenn, Bobby's three crew or pit crew members, make up the rest of his fellowship. Sauron the White. I picked Jean Gerard for that. He works for the Big Bad, but really he also has his own agenda. 
Sauron, well, that had to go to Larry Dennett Jr., the current owner of the Dennett Racing Team. He's only concerned with the season point totals and winning sponsors and dislikes Ricky Bobby for his antics. Winning for him isn't about the team, it's just about himself. And Gollum, the selfish bottom dweller, the one who's all about himself, well, that goes to Carly, Bobby's ex-wife, because really, throughout the whole movie, she was only about herself. So what is the precious? What is the one ring? In Talladega Nights, the one ring is a simple concept. It's winning. For our Sauron, Larry Dennett Jr., winning means money in the form of better sponsorships. To Ricky Bobby, it drives his life and it's all-encompassing. You're either first or you're last. He believes love is tied to winning, and he lets it consume him. It isn't until the end of the movie that he figures out winning isn't everything, and he doesn't need to win to be loved. When he congratulates Cal for winning, he officially casts off the ring into Mount Doom. So there you have it, my comparison between Talladega Nights and Lord of the Rings. Bring on the grades. You want to go? You want me to go? I'll go. All right. That wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. I have this sneaky suspicion that he might be getting better at this. The com- I like the uh, Lucius and Gimli comparison. I thought that was uh, good. Uh, Gollum and Carly, spot on. Um, usually any protagonist and their pal in any film should always be Frodo and Sam. So, you know, that those are, those are givens. Uh, Sasha... Or Gerard, I don't know if he's as bad as Saruman because Saruman's a dick, right? But I see why. I don't know who else you would compare him to, so I see why you went with that. Um, not bad there, comic book guy. I'm going to go ahead and give you a B minus. Yeah, I thought that uh, because we have a wide cast, it's easier to to look at our uh, Lord of the Ring characters and compare them with the different. Uh, cast members that we have in this movie. I also appreciated the uh, the uh, Mary and Pippin angle. The kids are definitely Mary and Pippin. So I, I'm going to go with Don. I, I'm going to give you a, a B- minus as well. And I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And that was John's <laughs> moment. All right, what do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to rate this flick. John, do you want to rate this flick? I'm ready to cross that finish line. Uh, Professor, how do we rate our movies? We rate our movies on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. Somebody says, you want to watch this movie? Fuck yeah, I do. A one fuck movie is you're one and done. You've seen it and you have no desire to see it again. And what's a zero? A zero fuck movie is, well, for shit's sakes, what the hell? Why did you make me watch this? Somebody owes me two hours of my life back. Or in other words, we just don't give a fuck. So it needs to be said, Don, four weeks in a row, you have guessed my rating. Can you do a fifth time? Well, I will certainly give it a shot there, big guy. Um, Who wants to go first? Fine, I'll go first. Talladega Nights is a movie that I have not seen in probably 15 years. And I have to say that I remember very little of the lines in this movie. When I think of this movie, I always go to the uh, the dinner baby Jesus talk. 
And that's probably my favorite part of the movie. Uh, it's really fun watching uh, Will Ferrell in this. I think that he is cast well, and his character shines in this. I also really appreciated uh, his wife. She plays this perfect trophy wife that is just all about her materialistic need for things. And I think that it has a lot of funny moments in it. I, I love I love the cougar bit in the car. And, you know, and Gary Cole... He was good in this, and I really appreciated how he kept trying to help Cal get his confidence back. What's it going to be? Speed or jail? Speed or jail? And I also, uh, I also really uh, was surprised having Amy Adams in here because I feel like Amy Adams, she is a really strong actress, but this is earlier on in her career, and so with that, it was fun to see her in this role as well. The, uh, the faces uh, of the supporting cast, you know, these are all people that end up working together for, through several projects. So it was, uh, it was nice to have these familiar faces in there. The story is, I think it, I think it works. Uh, it's, it's a fun watch. And, you know, for the most part, I think it's, it's worth watching pretty much any time. I'm going to give this a solid three fucks. Three fucks from the professor. So I'm struggling here. I think that your score is anywhere in between 3.25 fucks and 3.5 fucks. So I'm going to go, based on my gut, the comic book guy is going to give Talladega Nights 3.5 fucks. Talladega Nights is high-octane action and laughs. In Talladega Nights, we follow the rise and fall of Ricky Bobby, a dim-witted but talented NASCAR driver. Farrell's over-the-top humor creates an absurd and hilarious character that you can't help but root for. The supporting cast, including John C. Riley, Sasha Baron Cohn, and Jane Lynch, all bring their A-game, delivering some of the movie's most memorable moments. But Talladega Nights isn't just a silly comedy. It touches on the themes of family, loyalty, and the relentless pursuit of success. While the movie didn't take itself too seriously, it still manages to deliver some heartwarming moments that will get you cheering for Ricky Bobby and his team. And of course, what would any race movie be without tense, high-speed race action and over-the-top car crashes to keep you on the edge of your seat. One of the things that makes Talladega Nights so entertaining is its ridiculousness. From the product-placement-filled side scenes to the absurd catchphrases, this movie doesn't hold back when it comes to being over-the-top. But the humor never feels forced or stale, in my opinion. My only issues is that sometimes the movie approaches the silly side of comedy with the improvised lines and the hard-to-believe character actions. If you're a NASCAR fan or just someone who enjoys fast cars, this comedy is on track for you. The camera work, special effects are top-notch, making you feel like you're right in the middle of the action. And the sound design is incredible, capturing the roar of the engines and the screech of the tires with precision. Overall, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby is a must-watch for fans of comedy, racing, or just good old-fashioned fun. So get your engines roaring and buckle up for a wild ride you soon won't forget. 
This movie will have you quoting its hilarious lines for years to come. And remember, if you're not first, you're last. And it's for those reasons I'm giving Talladega Nights The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, 4.25 fucks. Wow, I was really off base on that. Yeah. I didn't think you liked it that much. You know, it's. I was thinking about it, and I put it up there close to Dodgeball as movies that just, whenever I'm in a mood and I need a good laugh, it's a movie that I would go to. But I, I like Dodgeball just that much more, so that's why Dodgeball is just a little bit higher. 4.25 fucks from the comic book guy. No one plays the man-child better than Will Ferrell, with the exception of maybe John C. Riley. And if you are a fan of John C. Riley and you haven't seen the movie Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, I highly recommend it. Those two together on screen are a comic duo that, you know, f- will be funny for ages. Uh, I think that Step Brothers is their best outing together. Uh, but Talladega Nights is a close second. It, I remember not liking it as much as I do now when I first saw it. Um, but going back and watching it again, the lines stick with you and the delivery and, and as talented and as funny as Will and John are, uh, it's the supporting cast that really completes the puzzle. And I think that Talladega Nights is very quotable. I think it's very entertaining from start to finish. Uh, the cast, the soundtrack, the shots, it's all it's all really good uh, in the pantheon of comedies. It it's above average, I think. Uh, but is it in the same realm as Step Brothers? No. Uh, I think the other guys is uh, a better film. I think Semi Pro is a better film. But I do really enjoy me some Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. So for those reasons, I'm giving Talladega Nights three point seven five fucks. So the professor gives it three fucks. I give it 3.75 fucks. And the comic book guy gives it 4.25 fucks. That gives Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, an average of 3.7 fucks, which now puts it in the 15th spot, tied with The Green Street Hooligans, Dogma, Halloween, and The Outsiders. And it's slightly better than 1917, Top Gun, and Commando. And slightly worse than Booksmart. The Blues Brothers, and Hell or High Water. Interesting mix there. Very much so. I kind of like that. Oh, yeah. I kind of yeah, like the, ab- way, absolutely. the way it falls. Yeah, because it just things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I am curious to know, John, Don, how many times do you think they say shake and bake in this movie? I have an unofficial count that I did. I am going to say 12 times. 27. My number that I came up, the number that I counted was 23. Wow. Yeah. All right. So that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. If you would like to know which movie we are going to be reviewing next, please check out our website. And speaking of which, John, where can they find us? Well, they can obviously race on over to our website at threeguysinaflick.com where you will find our show notes, all of our podcasts, movie trivia, as well as a teaser for our next podcast. You can also find us at all social media and any place where podcasts are hosted. All right. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for listening. Keep on listening. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And I want to thank everyone else who listens and who has suggested a movie 
If you keep suggesting, we'll keep recording. So, for Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm Jean. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. Um, Because he had already done... Anchorman. Anchorman. And Wedding Crashers. And then there was that other NASCAR movie that just flopped. Which NASCAR movie? It was like some Tom Cruise vehicle. What are you talking about? Days of Thunder. Days of of Thunder flopped? No, I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> that, uh, did you get that? That was good. Days of Thunder, you motherfucker. Anything? You got a porn name? Talladega Knights. Um, no. The only thing I had written down was uh, Tugadildo Knights, the bed of Ricky Bobby. Teladildo? Tugadildo. Tugadildo. <laughs> they are on competing teams, but it's not an issue because they put family first. Mm. Until they don't. Well, no, they do. Until they don't. Well, they do. That's part of the story, until they don't. Well, is that story written? Well, I'm going. I'm working on it. Bullshit. How long do you think Cal and uh, and uh, Carly stay together? Oh, I think it was over after this movie was over. Depends on how, how long Cal keeps winning. She walked over and grabbed him by the crotch, dude. Yeah. Cal's but, not going anywhere. I think I got the impression that Cal had started to piece it all together when he was on the racetrack. Yeah, well, he he did piece it together. He felt bad for sleeping with his best friend's wife, but his best friend forgave him. Mm-hmm. So why not continue sleeping with your wife? Because mm. she's smoking hot. Right? <laughs> as long as he's winning, she's a dipping. All right. Fuck off. Good night.